we're going to go back to the 60s, one of the great films of the 60s, uh, and in keeping with that theme, celebrating its 60th anniversary this year is The Great Escape, uh, which was released July 4th, 1963, directed by John Sturgis. It was written by Paul Brickhill, based on his book, uh, along with James Clavell. It stars, of course, Steve McQueen, uh, but then a whole bunch of other people, James Garner, George Bronson, James Coburn, Donald Pleasant, uh, so many. Uh, and, and a great musical score composed by the great Elmer Bernstein. Uh, it did have one Oscar nomination for editing. Uh, it's included in the uh, AFI's uh, 2001 list of top 100 most heart-pounding American movies. Uh, and it was uh, one of the highest-grossing films of 1963. As I mentioned, Paul Brickhill uh, wrote the book on which the movie was based. And uh, the film depicts sort of a, a pretty heavily fictionalized version of a real event of a mass escape of a German POW camp. Um, the film made numerous compromises uh, for commercial appeal and, and, and more or less uh, increased heavily the depiction of the Americans' involvement in the escape. In reality, uh, they were a minor part of it, but of course for American audiences in that film, uh, they made some uh, uh, dramatic license changes uh, to appeal to American audiences uh, and to serve as a vehicle for its box office stars, of course, which there were many. Ironically, uh, director John Sturges shopped this movie around for about eight years but couldn't get a studio to bite. Uh, but then they had the success of The Magnificent Seven in 1960, a few years earlier. Mm -hmm. And that success eventually uh, helped uh, fund this movie through United Artists, uh, in fact, so many of the people from The Magnificent Seven were involved in this, including Steve McQueen, James Coburn, Charles Bronson, uh, John Sturgis, the director, and, again, Elmer Bernstein, the, uh, the great composer. Um, the uh, real-life escape was done in March uh, 40, 1944, and it was sort of regarded as a failure. So uh, although um, many people did escape, uh, in the movie, only three people are shown escaping, but... Uh, uh, you know, again, Hollywood dramatic license. I've mentioned a couple times about uh, Elmer Bernstein, the, the composer, and uh, a lot of people remember the, the main title theme, and it's used a lot of times in uh, parodies and satires and stuff. Uh, and uh, anyway, so he gave each character sort of their own musical motif based on the, based on the main uh, theme, <clears throat> and that enduring popularity of that score uh, helped Bernstein live off the score's royalties probably for the rest of his life. Of course, he had many others. I happen to think Magnificent Seven is one of the best main titles of all time. But ironically, uh, a couple years ago, the sons of Elmer Bernstein openly criticized the use of the Great Escape theme uh, in a campaign for the U.K. Brexit uh, issue, saying, hey, our father would never have allowed uh, Brexit to use his music, and he would have strongly opposed it. Full disclosure... One of his sons is one of my colleagues at Arizona State, so uh, I know him well. Joe, the one thing that I always think about this movie, and I think it was highly noted, I'll let you expand, was the motorcycle chase scene. When people talk about The Great Escape, a lot of people right, go right to that chase scene with McQueen and the motorcycle. Yeah, it's uh, funny that you mention that because, I don't know, a week or so ago on uh, one of the film uh, message boards on Facebook, someone was talking about the greatest stunts, and so many people were mentioning Steve McQueen and the motorcycle jump. Uh, now, here's the irony of that. 
Steve McQueen did his own motorcycle riding, um, and he actually attempted that that jump and didn't make it. Uh, so his stuntman is actually the one that you see on film making it, but he did make the attempt. And um, he, he uh, uh, one of his conditions for accepting the role on the film was that he got to show off his motorcycle skills. So, uh, you know, the, the motorcycle jump and his motorcycle riding uh, was, was kind of critical to him even getting getting the part in the first place. This um, is... Talking about some, other, some of the other cast members, uh, Charles Bronson, uh, had his, he was a, a coal miner early in his career, and uh, so he was kind of an expert on what he did, and he actually really did suffer from claustrophobia like his character did. Uh, Charles Bronson also met and fell in love with David McCallum's wife, Jill Ireland, and he jokingly told McCallum that he was going to steal her away from him, and he did. <laughs> a few years later, in 1967, Jill Ireland uh, and, uh, divorced, and she married Charles Bronson. Oh, wow. <laughs> Some intrigue on the set, for sure. This, this movie, too, and Joe, and I don't want to say it led it, but it was the theme of that time, right? There was... A lot of movies that came out at that time with monster cast. You can think of The Dirty Dozen, The Great Escape, and then into the 70s. Just monster cast in these movies there for that decade plus. Yeah, um, it was uh, really, uh, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, you're right. So we could go on listing a, a number of those. And uh, that's one of the things I like about those those years and those movies with those, those giant casts. Now, producer Walter Murrish, Originally wanted Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas for uh, two of the main roles, uh, and but uh, again they kind of were just uh, picking off the success of the Magnificent Seven. And obviously the films are completely different storylines, so it's not really it's not such that you can say oh it's a sequel to Magnificent Seven, but it's certainly in the in the vein of that. Now another sort of quirk of this film is it has no female characters, mm. uh, and that was a, a bit of a uh, sticking point. Because the studios kept um, sending memos to director John Sturges saying, hey, you know, we need to have some women in this just so, you know, we can attract a female audience. And he goes, look, there's no women in the prison camp. Uh, so, you know, he was kind of kind of stuck on that. Um, and, you know, it, and the, I think we mentioned that a long time ago when we did Lawrence of Arabia. That's another long epic film that has no women in the cast. So this one kind of kind of keeps it up. The, uh, there's an urban legend that persists. That Harrison Ford is in a movie as an uncredited, non-speaking extra. Uh, this would have been about four years before uh, his first official credit, and that's not true. Just to clear that up for anybody who who believes that, for a couple reasons. One, um, the movie was completely shot in Germany on location, so it's more than likely a local person was hired uh, as an extra. And second, the the person in question who who seems to appear to be Harrison Ford has a dimpled chin, a cleft chin like Kirk Douglas, which Ford does not have. So <laughs> it's not Harrison Ford as an extra in the movie. 